And I can't find a seconder usually when I prefer this, but I don't care. I don't need a seconder. My own opinion is enough for me, and I claim the right to defend it against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time. And anyone who disagrees with this can pick a number, get online, and kiss my ass. First things first, Alabama State Bar Rules of Professional Conduct, Rule 7.2e, requires the following language in all attorney communications. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater, it's greater than the legal services performed by other lawyers. My name's Harry Steele, Backwoods Southern Lawyer. My partner in crime, Paul Rip, is here with me today from the Rip Report. Sound off, Paul? Okay, well, this is number 25. And... and- we have a special guest today. Gary Finch. Check this guy out. Wow. Wow. I hadn't been in front of a microphone like this since I was on KSJ 25 years ago. <laughs> we want to welcome Gary. He's a fellow veteran. And uh, any of you been around a while know that uh, this is Gary's 32nd year on TV. That's fishing a, and that's hunting That's a long shows. time, Rip. That's a long time. I, I tell you, Gary, I've been on many fishing trips with you, and I've never been out of the armchair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, I, I told somebody t- this afternoon uh, that uh, my cell phone number is older than a lot of people, or most people. <laughs> no right. kidding. So uh, we are broadcasting from the Van Buren Building, 28720 Highway 98, uh, Daphne, Alabama. And, of course... If it uh, bleeds, it leads. This show is no exception. <laughs> um, so we we do have some uh, tragedy to report. Uh, March 3rd up in Nashville, um, officials have confirmed seven people were dead in tornadoes overnight that hit Nashville, Putnam County, and uh, Benton, Benton County, Tennessee. Um, and, of course, we... Uh, our hearts go out to those folks. We're we're pulling for you, and we hope that uh, that you're um, that you guys recover quickly. Um, one more thing: uh, last night uh, saw the execution of uh, Nathaniel Woods. Um, according to OJ and Kim Kardashian, he wasn't the man who pulled the trigger in two thousand four. Um, he was set for execution last night. The Supreme Court stated it, then they uh, withdrew their stay. And I saw uh, about 9.30, uh, saw a tweet that he had been executed. Um, There was a good bit of controversy about this. Doug Jones got involved and sent a a letter to uh, Governor Ivey. And um, one of the people that I usually keep up with and I I usually agree with um, was John Archibald. And now this is this is the case in uh, Birmingham where three police officers were killed, correct? And another one right. grievously injured, correct? Okay, so um, Archibald said uh, Woods deserve punishment, I'm sure, but execution should be reserved for those who are clearly wantonly uh, in, and intentionally kill. Uh, yet under Alabama law, uh, it's said it's not a reversal. We'd like to see the world. Uh, morally just uh but uh you know we have to take the world as it is it's pretty tough not, not not as we would like for it to be 
So Gary, yeah. let's let's get back to some. I'm just ready to talk Gary about Finchism. fishing and hunting after all that stuff. Good <laughs> gracious! Uh, so you're so you have a TV show on CBS, and um, I've looked you up. You're on Twitter, Facebook at uh, Gary Finch Outdoors is your Facebook page. You also have a uh, regular web presence, as I understand. Is that right? I think I do. I think I'm covered on all those topics or areas. Um. So. Gary, you and I had an interesting uh, time of it together uh, back a few years ago. Um, you and uh, uh, another friend of mine had gone over to the Boy Scout meeting. Uh, was that was that 2015 or 16? That was uh, uh, November 2015. It's it's been it's been uh, branded in my 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 brain. I bet. Um, and so, do you want to talk about that incident, or you just want to talk about Boy Scouts in general? Well, you know, I think there's been some improvement. I know there's been well, I know there's been some improvement since then, but uh, there's still a few people there that uh, you know we got this. The Boy Scout, or the main organization, is in bankruptcy now. And I would tell you that even back in 2015, a couple of the uh, executive board members have just about what actually did almost put them in bankruptcy and we had to sell a third of the Mobilla camp. And, uh, yeah, we got a new, uh, executive director. And I think he's doing a great job, but we still have those, you know, those people who are corrupt, who took their personal gain. And, uh, you know, we got some good board members and it's one of those situations where the good board members just continue to let the, the bad board members do what they want to. And, Take well, money out of the, you know, take, they take money away from the kids for their personal gain. So, so uh, I have a letter that you wrote. Oh boy, do you remember that the Deer Scatters letter that you wrote? I don't know about all that, but I remember a couple. It's of become things. a parent that Michael Hardigan, blah blah blah. Oh yeah, our former uh, scout executive over in Mobile, who was just a damn dumpster fire train wreck if there ever was one. And uh, of course, you and I were bitching about them losing 250 300 grand a year um right. we went back and uh compiled the 990s and it's a shame we get, i got kicked out of my office in baymanette because all of those uh do you remember i had that file room where yeah. we painted the walls with that uh what kind of paint is that it's like dry erase board paint oh yeah and we wrote all that, that stuff uh, all over yeah. the wall it was all there when i moved out I, it's I think a shame i, I think i spent two thousand hours uh, compiling all the information and everything and the sad thing about it is that, uh, the former executive director michael hargan he's been hired by the boy scouts out west and is making about five thousand dollars more a month right after 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 he crashed our plane they hire him to fly a 747 out in wherever it is where is he do you know uh i'm uh, either oklahoma or utah and he's he's got two or three people under him and that's after they've already they basically proven that uh he was disrespectful and and harassed you know his, his own employees here in mobile so it's a and sad it's a sad situation because you know i've i spent my whole life working and helping the boy scouts i made eagle scout in 1977 i've got a son who made eagle scout last year i'm very proud of that and a lot of my friends have got sons and who are Eagle Scouts, and some people, you know, some kids make it there, and some some don't. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that we've got all these scouts that that we need to take care of. And we, you know, what happened in Mobile and what is still continuing to happen a little bit to me is just as bad as any of these sexual uh, accusations or assault charges uh, against the the main body of the 
Boy Scouts. It's, 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 it was awful, and it still is a little bit. I, I, so there, I, well, one ahead, thing, well, one of the things I want to say is that the uh, RIP report also followed up with Gary on the Boy Scouts. This is over five years old, five years ago now, and all the predictions that Gary made and tried to bring to the board were ignored. And today we're facing the true fact of everything that he wrote, everything he said was accurate criticism and you know we couldn't he couldn't get the attention of anyone uh to help so now we're in this situation and i agree with gary on that last comment he made about the uh, uh you know spending a lot of money on the sexual part of it and uh you know a lot of attorneys and trying to put the emphasis on that but i think a lot of it should go back to the executive pay some of these guys are making way too damn much well, they're make, Paul. They're making you know they're making uh, all this money. Uh, I think Michael was making about ten thousand dollars a month, uh, and you know all the insurance and the car allowance and all that. And I had a fifty thousand dollar check that a company cut one time, and had it sitting. He didn't even have to introduce himself or meet anybody, uh, sitting on the receptionist desk, and I couldn't even get him to go pick it up. So you can imagine how less of the money that he actually raised himself and they've uh, how much have they sold of their land now out of that they sold a third of it we sold um uh, a third of it and a lot of that's in deer hunting and deer lease and stuff so we got you know i'm a i hunt deer myself but i don't i, I don't appreciate having you know more guns and 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 people hunting closer to where we're trying to teach kayaking and and shooting and archery and all that kind of stuff so right, it's, right. it's it's you know it's what it is and it's 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 because of, of the group of people that that uh people let run the show right and these board of directors need to step up because if the board of directors had listened and done something they could have avoided a lot of this i could have saved the the, the property for sure and we could i've could have, I, we had several people that would have would have paid for the land and given a 20-year lease at a dollar uh, a year so Man. But they wouldn't listen, and they hid. You know, they hid. Uh, one, uh, one of the main board members. He was executive board member in fifteen and sixteen, and I think fourteen too. But he let uh, a guy in his church uh, do the. We tried to bid on it, and he did a close bid, and had somebody else take care of it. And before we knew it, uh, we were paying. All right, so let me stop you yeah. for a second. All right, sorry. All right, so so just real quick. That's um, enough about boys. Look, well, no, no, no. I want to. Okay. I want to get it further into the boys. Oh <laughs> Lord! So, so we have a camp, Camp Malbilla. It was given to the Boy Scouts in the 1950s. It was 900 acres. Am I correct about all that? I think it's about that. Okay. So, um, you were up at Camp Malbilla, and you seen some dingaling guy walking around with flagging tape. Is that how all this came to be? Yeah. And 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 you went to the board and said, "What? What's going what on? What the haze going on? Yeah." And they told you basically none of your business? Uh, yeah, basically until, you know, I, I, I explained exactly, you know, I want to know and I'm not leaving until I know what, what's going on because, you know. Uh, so All right, so let's well, back they up. they threw you out of a meeting, didn't they? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Phil Webb, matter of fact, uh, with the Boy Scouts. I think he's a, a banker, an investment banker So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your but, wife. Uh, and you know, he's uh, – He's he's one of the main ones you can blame. I don't mind you know throwing that out there because he knows how I feel and everybody else knows how I feel. But I think people are getting smart and learning how to, to cope with it and maybe get putting them on the right path. All but, right. So so five years ago, ten years ago, we had um, 
millions of dollars in assets. Oh, we yeah. had we had Camp Push Mataha. We had uh, uh, Camp Pine Tree had been given to the Boy Scouts uh, for nothing. And uh, I know you put a lot of money into into that camp for us to just throw it to give it away and camp put. Okay, so for a long time we had people manage the timber. There's only 30 acres of that 900 acres that's developed at, at Camp Malbilla, and so right. the rest of it they would hire a timber person and they'd manage the timber. And if we needed a little money, we could cut some timber or whatever. Well, hell, all those assets are gone to pay for Michael, Michael Hardigan's salary is is how I look at it. That's exactly what we did. In fact, um, what we sold the land for a third of Malbilla, uh, we we paid. It, it was gone in a year and a half to pay for his salary and um, expenses and stuff like that. So, you know, why sell it? Why just get? Why don't you get rid of the person responsible for it? And in, in fact, they didn't actually fire him. They they closed the position and got rid of the position and it cost them more money to join back up after they hired somebody else for all right job. so so camp push is gone they they gave the uh you know after after the county bought two thousand acres from the crosby family then the boy scouts turn around and give back how many acres was was that uh out at pine tree um a couple hundred uh, at least yeah a couple hundred acres yeah. um and then uh Help me here. Uh, Camp Push actually had a damn working gas well on it. We actually got Still. sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars a year in, in gas royalties. All that's gone. That's gone. Camp Push. Camp Push is gone. That's it, gone. It is. It is amazing to me that all these people with all this money, and let me call it what it is, and you can and you can get your ass up and run out of this room if you want to. But it's the Mobile Blue Bloods that ran this damn Boy Scout council into the ground. My opinion. It is with a combination of letting let, well, exactly. It's a combination of that and letting those people were re- basically in charge of what's going on. So you can always point the finger to them. Yeah. Um. And, and the last thing I'll I don't s- think Phil Webb's a blue bud, but he he likes to <laughs> he likes to he, he likes to rub elbows. He's, <clears throat> he's on a champagne he, deal with a beer budget. Well, let me tell you this: <laughs> uh, th- th- those four things happening and the nail in the coffin. Okay, when I moved back here in 2011, I called Hardigan and I said, I'm a lawyer. I have an MBA. I used to be an aquatics instructor, worked for national scouting. I was a whitewater raft guide for two years up in West Virginia. There's not a merit badge I can't teach. I can't teach shotgunning because I don't have my NRA certification, but I can teach everything else. So why is it that I don't hear jack shit and I give them my – Email address, phone number, say any troop that wants me to come teach a merit badge, please let me know. I got the perfect answer. Never got a call back, nothing, until I heard from you and Taylor Wilkins saying you got thrown out of a meeting. And and, and I think the ask or, or the question was, wasn't I on the United Way board and didn't we give them money? Uh, so I went over year. there and they told me to go fly a kite. Well, here's a here's what here's what you stand for. You stand for trying to help and you may get in, get in the way of something improving or uh, might find out that uh, they're taking this money over here or they're taking advantage of some of the sponsors and, and actual people who donate money for the, the good of the real Boy Scouts themselves. And that's what, I mean, they're, they, they hid everything for years until, you know, we, we dug in there. So guess what my, the nail in the coffin was? Tell me. When Tucker Dorsey. The straw man. The straw man 
gets the Golden Beaver Award or Golden Eagle Award. Golden Which one Eagle. was it? Golden Eagle. Golden Eagle. Yeah. Uh, do you find that as absurd as I do? Well, what the what did he ever do for Boy Scouts in Mobile Council? Well, I think we all know how much I reached out to several people uh, in the political area arena, and uh, you know they they said oh, they didn't do anything. Well, uh, Tucker did more for Baldwin County Sewer than he did the Boy Scouts. I'll say that. Well, thank you, Mr. Rip. I had no idea that was the case. <laughs> Rip. Rip, Rip's in this conversation. I thought, I thought um, I'd throw something in there. So, so one thing about the 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 attorney that the Boy Scouts hired, you know, it's the same firm that represented the Catholic Church. They've gone into bankruptcy mode, and uh, and, and of course they're saying we don't care when you were molested. We're going to make it right. And, of course, going into bankruptcy, there's only so much money to work with. So I've done the math. I'm looking at about $88,000, $90,000 per victim. That's a lot of money to some people. Uh, to quote Leo in The Departed, why not just give the son bitches a bottle of scotch and a handgun? Yeah. I, I mean, let's offer counseling. Let's do some things that make sense. I don't know that giving somebody $88,000 really does anything to to help them or change their lives. Well, my biggest thing about the uh, the whole uh, bankruptcy thing is, to my knowledge, I read an article the other day where they actually had put Philmont, uh, one of the, like, I think it's 135,000 acres or something like that. Cimarron, New Mexico. Yeah. Adventure base. And uh, they, they actually put that um, on a note that they were going to borrow some money and try to get this thing taken care of and that's that's without letting anybody know about it letting anybody uh, the philmont board didn't know about it and on top of that uh the the boy scout organization up up top had the gall to and i and i sent a letter to a couple of the local troops saying that any kid that you know couldn't afford it that i would pay the difference but they went from $32 $32 a year to $60 a year gave the kids for dues for dues, which generated another, Oh, probably, uh, I don't know, four million, forty million $40 million. And, uh, so you're looking at maybe not 40, but, uh, you know, you multiply 12, I mean, 12,000 times another $30. But, so, so you're, you're an interesting guest to have on because you're one of the very few people that can, that can confirm my concern of issues of public concern that, that I've, that I've been active for a while and not just, here's the problem I have. When I talk to people about this podcast, they think Paul and I are airing dirty laundry for profit. No, <laughs> no. Uh, it's called putting the truth out there and you make your own opinion about it. Exactly. That's my, you know, that's my, I, I'm, that's what I'm here for today. And, and, bef- and before this technology was available is what I'm saying. And nobody understands how transformative this technology is more than I do. I agree and with that. Pe- and people, uh, I hope nobody else invests uh, what we have in their equipment. Um, I know and, all about investing equipment. Yeah. Well, you know, well, that, that's what that's what was funny when I called you about some of this stuff. And you're like, oh, man, the camera I got cost $80,000 or something. I sold a Viper that had 1,500 miles on it, and that wasn't enough to pay for the camera that I was buying. Wow. And I think I sold it for 55000 
All right. Well, that was back in the day. Yeah. So, guys, we're going to switch gears. And, Gary, we want you to comment as much as you care to. Um, the what? Clotilda. We talked about the you're, – you're familiar with the last slave ship to come to the Americas? Of course. Um, and eventually, uh, in our slideshow behind us, you'll see a artist rendering and, uh, and some things about the Clotilda. So I said that I was going to find the location and post a map. Well, nobody tell me where it is, you, but you know where it is, don't you, Gary? I know exactly where it's at. All right, so you going to take us over there? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that sounds like a good... That's no problem. Uh, we'll get as close as we can. Okay. Um, supposed to be a big tourist uh, destination from now on. I think they're they're working on several different things that uh, I don't have a lot of knowledge about, so I'll, I'll step back from that a little bit. But, but they're trying, you know, there's several people involved in that, and they're working you know, pretty hard on, on making it, you know, something that people can come and see. Yeah. Ben Raines has written uh, some very good articles on that. In fact, he hasn't gotten the credit he deserved for the work that he did on that. And also National Geographic, uh, they put out a short show, and I don't even believe they mentioned his name in that show. But, uh, yeah, they are anticipating some good tourist dollars out of that if they can um, get a little museum going over there and everything. It should be It'd be good for that area for yeah, sure. Yeah, I like to mention Ben Raines as well, right. uh, Rip. He's 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 done some incredible things, and he's uh, he's worked hard, and, and he's let us know about some of the things that uh, you know that has to do with conservation and history and stuff. So uh, my hats off to him. Yeah, his articles are fantastic, and the what is it? The Amazon. What's the title of his movie? The Mo- no. America's Amazon. America's right. Amazon. The Mobile Tensile River. That Delta. is fantastic. People ought to watch that. Um, so let's talk about, uh, are you, are you familiar with this uninhabited islands bill, house bill 208, Gary? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think it's just another way of possibly cutting people off from enjoying some public access, which, uh, you know, it seems like, it seems like when everything is going good, I know we got the coronavirus going on, and we could probably talk about that for, until, oh, the we cow, will. until the cows we come will. home. Yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about the virus. I'm no doctor, but I'm not a vet, veterinarian either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think y'all get that one. Um, <laughs> I got it. But, but, you know, when things are going good, the economy's going good, you know, why muddy up the water and try to take stuff away from, from the people who really need these places and can enjoy these places a whole lot more than we can? And that's, that's, that's my opinion, of course. But it seems like every time that I see a nice little boat ramp or, uh, a, you know, a picnic area or something, somebody's doing something to try to cut that off. So, Paul, do you remember when um – the tax man. The last time the tax man was uh, had in a position of power to. Uh, do you remember all that? Where they put up the gate down here in Daphne? Right. Or was that point clear? Point and clear. the guy cut the son bitch up with a chainsaw and dumped it in Elliot's parking space at I, the county. I believe that was uh, Robin Hutchins. That was Zundel's, wasn't it? That was Zundel, right? And uh, uh, I got some information from that from David Peterson with. Um, Citizens for Accountability, Baldwin County Citizens for Accountability, a Facebook site some of you might want to go to. 
and uh, Zundel Road for sure did come up, and and I believe that they were the ones that took it over there. Mine like it, a steel trap. And it keeps it keeps coming up. It it just you know one or two years goes by, it comes back up again and again, and you know they shrink these things down. You go to over to uh, Destin and places like that, and they got these little pocket parks, and all of a sudden they shrink. You don't see them anymore, and it cuts off uh, access and. It, it should And they be. don't put GD salt shakers on the table anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, Paul, let me say one thing about the, since uh, Harry brought up the, the gate, I saw, I, I saw the gate that he, at, before and after, and I've got a nice gate at my house, and I hope he never thinks about taking a chainsaw because he did a heck of a job on that, that on that gate. Uh, he, and he, he wins the, the golden. Golden uh, gate. Tearing up award. chainsaw award. Uh, I, t- I tell you the thing that gets me though. We we've got legislation by uh, Chris Elliott, Joe Faust, and all right. That's what I want to talk about next. Well, Barnwell district. I, I know, but what I'm what the point I was going to make is that d- these are our representatives. However, we don't know what legislation is coming up. It always comes up as a surprise. I mean, we're we're talking about House Bill two hundred eight, one forty two, and all these bills. None of this has been vetted to any of the constituents in the county at all. I mean, it's a surprise to us, and then we have to have a reaction to it. Yeah, they were like a bunch of Indians in the woods. I didn't hear nothing. I didn't hear anything about this uninhabited island stuff. Did you? Tell me what's been in the last twelve months. Tell me what's been properly vetted. Yep, correct. Give me, give me one thing. Nada, not one thing. Not a damn thing. Nada. So, so uh, all right, let's talk about the Barnwell District, and if. Gary, if you will look behind you, you will see a historical map that I have from 1991. Wow. And I have traced out what I believe is the Barnwell District. You mean get out of the way so people can see it? Uh, you can scoot that way. Oh, other way. Other way. So by other left? Ah, no. shit. That's no, not going to work no, either. Now, look at look Anyways, this right. area is the area over your right shoulder. And um, the, the important thing to see is the point clear... Uh, yeah, where, where you can see where where the uh, point clear uh, point is, and then you can see the green line that represents the airport. The airport is definitely the airport and the recreational land that they just paid two point six five million dollars, and they leased it for nine thousand dollars outside the city limits. And now we're faced with uh, the thing possibly uh, looking at House Bill 142. Uh, the House Bill 142 would abolish extraterritorial jurisdictions for a city or town in Alabama and would restrict police and planning authority to within the municipal limits. The bill was introduced February 6th and is pending Final vote in the Senate before moving on to the House. Give now, me that number again, SB 142? 142. It, and that's uh, a tax man bill also, isn't it? Correct. Chris and Elliott, the tax man. According to uh, Mayor Wilson, it eliminates a municipality's ability to exercise an extraterritorial jurisdiction or all of our extraterritorial jurisdictions, including our planning jurisdiction, and as the fastest-growing city and the fastest-growing county, to me, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, That's a double-edged sword. You know, um, some people, they don't want to be... They don't want to be in the city, and they want to be out of the city, but they want to have some of the services, so it's really... (laughs) 
I don't know where it's going to go, but... Um, Rip, let me ask you a question, please. Yeah. Since somebody out there might be wanting to know the same thing I am. I'm not as familiar with this as, as you, you two are. Tell me a little bit, again, what you were saying about the, the services of the city and who is going to get absorbed in this or who is not going to get absorbed or who's going to, who's going to lose out. All right, um, let me let me let me Harry. do this for you. All right, all right. So we have different classes of municipalities in Alabama, okay? And depending on what size you are, I believe it's over five thousand people. Uh, if you're under five thousand, just imagine an imaginary bubble that runs around the town that's a mile and a half wide. Okay. Okay. So if you're over five thousand, that it gets extended to a three mile police jurisdiction. Now, a couple of things happened in a PJ. Uh, one thing, uh, there were there were some uh, tax accountability issues put in place where if they collect taxes in the PJ, they have to spend the money on providing services in the PJ. So those people aren't losing anything by being in the PJ. But you got to understand the concept of exponential growth that a city has over time in that police jurisdiction, the city also gets to enforce its subdivision regulations because the idea is one day the city's going to annex out there and you don't want a damn ring of Adams homes around your town or, right. or pick a pick well, a subdivision. And, and let me uh, clarify, too, with uh, what the mayor of Fairhope, uh, she has said that nobody has a problem with Barnwell creating a landmark district. This is Guy Busby's article in The Courier. Uh, it's just what's making up the district that is the most in unincorporated area south of our incorporated limits. It's 44 square miles. It includes other areas that have existed long before Barnwell, including parts of Point Clear, Clay City, Battles Wharf, Houstonville, Tatumville, Marlowe, wow, and Fish way River. way over to Marlowe and Fish right. River, man. It's well, something that that's needs where to I'm be. At. And, and what she's saying is something that needs to be more defined here again. It wasn't vetted beforehand. Now, Councilman Burrell is saying that uh, it's absurd. It's it's not absurd. These these districts are formed quite a bit, but the concern the mayor has is that it looks as if it's encompassing way too much land, and it'll restrict the city from having um, you and know he, any expansion. And ability. here comes my the greatest moment of my life. Uh -huh. Paul Rip and Jack Burrell are on the same side on an issue. <laughs> Uh, well, Can you believe that? Uh, I don't know that. Come on, Gary. I want to comment. Oh, I, I don't want to be entirely on one. It's not cloudy outside, is it? Well, no, it's a beautiful day, as a matter I know, of fact. I, I don't want to walk outside. Well, Burrell was, you know, he prefaced it by saying that he just wanted to be honest. That's kind of where he lost me there. <laughs> and I stopped reading at that point because I knew it was bull. Uh, All right. So, uh, Pornography bill. You familiar that we had a no, state of emergency no. while coronavirus is going on. I want to talk about a, coronavirus. Or, uh, talk about the y'all y'all head up on the the pornocopia or whatever y'all want to talk about. No, no, no. Uh, I'm I have no. I have no knowledge. While in a while we are under a real public health crisis, these dinglings and I use that term loosely on, on Goat Hill. Uh, on Goat Hill. <laughs> have decided that we have a public health crisis and it's pornography, not wow. coronavirus. Wow. Yeah. So, well, you know, whatever. But the, the coronavirus leading into the coronavirus, it's, uh, this morning I was All listening. Right, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. All right. Coronavirus. Yeah. Eagle, I'm all, I'm Eagle all, Scout. I'm Eagle Scout, Eagle right? Scout. I'm all, all right. over it. So watch this. 
Umbrella. Yep. Mask. <laughs> you got some. You got, you got your Purell because if you don't have your Purell, or is it Purell? Yeah. Purell. An- yeah. A, another mask of a different kind and making. I went to four Dollar Generals today and three WalMarts, and there was none to be had. Mm-hmm. I, and you get the paint. That's why you get a paint, a hot paint pocket knife. So nobody will steal that. Well, you can always bitch. find so it too. Get, well, in you that find too. it. No one's gonna take it. Nobody's from gonna you. steal. That's those. like having a, a matic in the back of your truck. No one's gonna get it. The the one thing that uh, really gets me on the coronavirus this morning, I was listening in another cruise ship. This is in the Nile River, and they discovered like twelve cases there. So you got two cruise ships uh, held up out there, and um, I mean, I, I can't for the life of me understand how you can confine people to a cruise ship and think you're going to be able to control it. But it does look as if the people that are succumbing to it are very senior and their immune systems are way down. But this thing seems to be traveling very fast. And the one thing that I keep coming back to is, uh, and I don't mean to make light of the health issue, but I don't think most people have an idea yet of the economic impact this is going to have on uh, the worldwide. Let me stop you right there for a second. Go ahead. Speaking of... Economic, Larry Kudlow on CNBC this morning. He's our na- he's a national e- economic council director. He said that most people are not going to catch this virus or or, or 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 you know or get it or whatever. But then he went on to say uh, there's no you know economic impact and it's not going to send us in a, a you know it's not going to hurt the the GDP. Well, I can tell you right now, it already has hurt the GDP if nobody else gets it. And number two... That's what we said last week. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, uh, number two, he said that, you know, only 80% of the people... He said 80% of the people that that contract this disease or whatever it is, virus, he said, they'll live. So, you know, when you give me a a 20% that I'm going to probably pass, you know, or die, that's just the word die, I I don't want to get everybody in a frizzy, but... One out of five. That's one out of five that he's that he's claiming that that could possibly die. Uh, and I don't care, you know, what health situation you're in or, or what you're, you know, what, what what you're in. I don't like somebody telling me that eighty percent and not, not to overreact. You know, it's not it's it's okay to react and be concerned, but he's just concerned. You know, mm-hmm. and and as a national economic council director, you know, he's the head guy of, of, of the economy basically so let's 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 pay attention to what's actually happening and it's all right to take some precaution like i said i went to all the i went to three walmarts and five dollar general stores you got some cash on you oh yeah i mean it's a good time it's a good time to roll somebody well because everybody's walking around with a bunch of cash in case the grid goes down yeah i i I, luckily i've I've got um i've got a couple dollars stowed away and and no one with the coronavirus has ever touched or seen these bills so (laughs) Uh, that's a that's a plus. Well, that's the funny thing. We ordered some uh, M95 masks from Amazon. They showed up. They were not M95 masks, and the packaging was in South. I actually took a picture of it because I want to know it was South Korean. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, speaking of Amazon, if you go on hundred dollars if you for go, a box of M95 masks. Right. Well, if you go on Amazon right now, four bottle, four eight ounce bottles of Purell can be delivered to your doorstep uh, for eighty nine dollars. 
And I think they cost what five dollars a bottle or something yeah. like that. There's a lot of price gouging going. It on is, with and this and, too. I, and I want to, you know, I want, I do want to step on Amazon a, a little bit because that's some of their vendors, you know, that, that that they use on the side, and they're not policing it, and they're letting people, you know, go that go there that don't have Amazon Prime, maybe. Yeah. And pay these ridiculous prices. Uh, there's a couple other things like two twenty ounce or whatever things, you know, for one hundred and fifty. So. Mm. It's, it's, All right, it's so I can I can talk about this real quick uh, without, uh, and, and we won't have to go back to it. So, uh, Frontline, are you familiar with Frontline, Gary? The Something about the, call, the flea collar and stuff? No, no, no. <laughs> that's, what I, that's, what, that's what I was thinking. Not that's all I know. Collar. That's all I know. Unless P- you explain it to me. Okay, PBS has a has a oh, news yeah. program yes. called Frontline. Oh, right. It's been on okay. there forever. Right. And so the people at Frontline have done a, uh, uh, and it just came out February 20th. I watched it the other night. It's called The Amazon Empire, The Rise of Jeff Bezos. And it and what it does, it goes into um, how, uh, you know, what do we do when somebody wins? Standard Oil won. Uh, the Vanderbilt's won the damn railroad race. What do you do when somebody wins at retail like Walmart and Amazon have? I mean, Roosevelt would have busted this crap up. You know, it's been 100 years. Maybe it's time to bust some of this mess up. Well, you know, I've got some great, absolutely. I've got I've got a couple of sponsors on my show who have been sponsoring for 20 years. And they've had to work and hard to combat some of these things because they're local businesses you know, I believe in buying something local. And I mentioned Purell on, on Amazon. That's the only place I could think about looking for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Amazon is just wiping some of these places out. And it's a good thing that the, the some of the companies here or small businesses do a such good, good job on taking care of their customers. And you don't get that, you know, if you go to a, a large box retailer. Right. But uh, it's it, it's it's a shame that they're getting crunched every day. And they're the one. those are the people that made our country great. So, yeah. um, I, and I just wanted, you were talking about local sourcing. I'm just wondering if you know a, a relative of mine, uh, Charlie Byrne, uh, Charles Byrne worked at Lou, Lou Children and Sons forever. The, remember I, the I remember Lou the name. I remember, yeah, Lou, Lou Children's Stick. Yeah. Sweet Stick. And yeah. So that, so of course that's what I grew up fishing with. They made the crappie some poles were free. <laughs> no, I mean, they made bass rods. Right. Seven, okay. Seven oh, they Lou Children's. Yeah, Lou Children's. Yeah, gotcha. Anyway, um, and you remember Mr. Childers? He wasn't he in a seaplane crash? Uh, I believe he was. Yeah, um, he Didn't was going. He was going to. He used to fly to the Chandelure Islands all the time and fish. Sure and I did. think that's what he was he, doing. He flew into Britain. Mm-hmm. He was a heck of a heck of a Chandelure Islands. That used to be in the early seventies the main stop for marijuana Re- refueling. And uh, <laughs> well, I've been there a bunch, but I've never seen any of that. Y'all, uh, let me know when you're down there. Back in the seventies. Well, what about uh, the Senate race? Um, oh Lord! Oh boy! Let's let uh, Gary weigh in a little bit on that because he has a little bit of his- history there. With uh, well, uh, you know, recently I've, I've, I've you know, I, it's hard for me as you know being on on TV and being um, you know sort of out there known a little bit. Um, but you know, we, we boiled it down to, to two candidates. We got Jeff Sessions and, uh, who, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've worked, uh, a little bit, you know, on his campaign and I, I want to shout out to Bradley Byrne. You know, I, I, I know he, he was a good congressman and, um, he's got a couple of sons that are Eagle Scouts 
Uh, he he ran a good race, race but uh, now, you know, we... So, Gary, I hate to interrupt you. No, don't but, ask me any but questions. You, but you know that he's a relative of mine, and I didn't mention that because I didn't want to hurt his campaign. <laughs> well, that, I, that, I, 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 I agree. I agree. Not, not that I agree with what you're saying, but I, I understand what you you're understand saying. You understand where I'm coming yes, from. Yes, sir. But, you know, we're, we're in a position right now, you know, and, I, and I'll tell you this much right now. I'm, you know, I'm... Without saying what, I guess I've already said what uh, party I'm I'm for, but we've got a situation where I think, in my opinion, of course, uh, Trump slammed Sessions Wednesday morning right after the Super Tuesday votes, uh, and you know I, I get I get a little tired, uh, and I think I mentioned to y'all and and y'all certainly gave me your feedback in a, in a positive manner. But you know, I don't even want my son watching some of these people the way they talk and the way they, you know, tweet and all that kind of stuff. And but, you know, to me, to to dump on Sessions the way Trump did, you know, I don't think Trump would have ever become president if it wasn't for Jeff Sessions. And that's my opinion now. So quit, I, you know, I, get I, off of him. So, and, so and here's what, all here's the, what I'll say about it. Let me say that one first, more thing. That first rally in Mobile. No it, doubt about it. It it, it that, that was it, Sessions that did that. It for him. created the the ball rolling, and it never stopped rolling. So and, and also you can't, the uh, ball doesn't roll unless it, you roll it the first couple feet. It right. doesn't go. It doesn't roll for for a year. And Sessions got a lot of uh, heat for recusing himself, but I can assure you, he had no choice, and that was the best thing he could have done. And if he had not recused himself, I can assure you it would have been much worse for uh, President Trump than it was. Well, and let me say this. His exodus to go take that AG job was the catalyst for one of the biggest political scandals in Alabama history. And 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 nobody seems to recognize that. It was a mess to begin with. Um, And Rip, you and I talked about this the other day. You know, it boils down, you know, Tommy Tuberville, of course, uh, won uh, the, I guess they got first place in, in Super Tuesday by, I think, a 1% or 2% margin. But everybody's got to look at it like, who's the candidate that's going to be able to, to beat Doug Jones? Well, I you know, know uh, it. you know, Gary, let me... Let me be the one responsible for saying this. I just okay. I thought I'd intro it in for you. <laughs> uh, I don't think that people are thinking or looking at the political scope of what's going on in this Senate race. If you're the if you're involved with the candidates, and you know, or I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, you you got Jeff Sessions there running against the. Uh, the football coach and the, and the coach if tuberville wins if you're the one running against him doug jones you're going to be more likely to have a real hard time with jeff sessions than you are tuberville so if the coach wins that's going to enhance the ch- the chances of Doug Jones. Now, I know there's some people out there that are probably screaming at me right now, but I'm telling you that's a fact. And uh, you better be paying attention as to who is the best qualified and who are you going to get the most mileage out of in the Senate race, not who's the most popular and played football. Well, I'll say one thing on that. And and it doesn't matter who you're for, but I can tell you this. Uh, I will point out every time I mention Jeff Sessions, there's somebody who goes, "Oh my gosh, you know he he recused himself and he did." Listen, you know he had good reason to do that and stop. And you know, quit 
over and over again. I get sick and tired of it. You know, I really do. He so, had no choice. All right. So if I can pay a compliment to Jeff Sessions, you sure I can. will say that he is the only person to escape uh, the Trump administration with his integrity intact. And guess what? How many bad things do you hear him saying about other candidates? Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to. He has people. He has people uh, for that. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. And all the candidates in the, in the United States running for anything they want to run, you watch. You watch Jeff Sessions closely. He's not going to knock everybody down to the to, to the lower level like uh, a lot of these other people are. It's going to be a very. I don't disagree very, with you. It's going to be a very I interesting think he's a, uh, a good campaign. So. A very interesting race and a very close race to watch. Uh, as well as the uh, first congressional district, you want to wait into? Want me to wait into that one? Well, hell yeah, dude! Come on. <laughs> um, now, first congressional district is whittled down now to the Catalyst candidate uh, Hightower and Jerry Carl, and uh, Mr. Carl, very much like the Senate race, he uh, came out about two points, point and a half ahead of Mr. Hightower, but. Um, what is interesting, and uh, I, I like to get some of my statistics from uh, Baldwin County Citizens for Accountability. David Peterson there is very good at that, and he, he sent me a statement that said that, uh, or some research that he had done in Baldwin County, they had 16,204 votes for Carl, and in Baldwin County, I mean, in Baldwin County, 13,078. That's seven uh, percent. Carl won them all, and 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 in the seven precincts that uh, Mr. Peterson was uh, looking at, Carl won them all. And bam and at Carl had forty-seven point forty-three percent of the votes. The average in these seven precincts was forty-two forty-four for Carl. And also, it should be mentioned that Carl carried Mobile, Washington, Clark. Monroe, and the Scambia counties. That's five out of six. So the so when you look at it, the major problem that uh, Mr. Carl had was with Catalyst, and that was right in Fairhope and the Fairhope area where uh, Hightower certainly should have won. Uh, however, and this is very interesting, when you go to look at the Fairhope area precincts, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them, and you look at Carl, Hightower, and Pringle, those are the three that they list. At no point does Hightower beat Carl any more than the votes for Pringle. And I don't want to confuse you, but what I'm saying is like uh, if Mr. Pringle, whatever his votes were, that was the difference between Carl and Hightower. So it's a very, very thin margin, and I think people are waking up to the uh, – threat of catalyst candidate the last thing we need is somebody representing catalyst as our as our congressman can, so, I, can I ask both y'all a quick question sure Rick? certainly all right my first question is all right like some of these politicians who are congressmen or senator or whatever what how much you know a lot of them are ineffective as they are in office but what are they doing good or how much are they getting accomplished when they take a year and a half off to run for another office. Right. Right. Well, running for one office. Just tell me, the because office. the next question is going to be, I'll tell you uh, in a second, I'll tell you, I'll ask you another question. Okay. So, so a friend of mine just did this and he, and he wasn't successful. Cam Ward is the president of the Senate. Paul went up there for the medical marijuana uh, 
hearings right. in front of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. Correct. I thought and, he did an excellent job. Yeah, and he's running statewide, talking to people, doing the same things he would have done if he were defending his Senate seat in Alabaster. Well, maybe not so much traveling, but, yeah. you know, Cam's a, a man about the state, and I don't think he missed a beat. I mean, he probably hired somebody to help him with his campaign and told him where to show up and what babies to kiss and what behind. You know, I you know how it plays. I, yeah, well, of course I do. My second question is, and, and, and it's, it's sort of different strokes for different folks, but, you know, sometimes when a politician is running, uh, taking, for instance, uh, Bradley Byrne had to give up his congressional seat to run for U.S. Senate seat. Okay. Mm-hmm. What if what if we did, what if we made it where everybody has to give up their seat, like, to run for president? You wouldn't have 15 people on the stage. Or when they started, they I think they started off with 24 or 25 or 26. Right. You wouldn't have that many people running for president. Where you're holding on well, to one just, job while you're running for another job. All right, but let's, yeah. th- let's, talk, let's think about all of the people who were, uh, who were governors who were elected. I don't want to go that far. Well, We've had some terrible governors. Yeah. I, I don't mean us. I'm just saying <laughs> presidential candidates ah, okay. who right. at the governors, time were governors, governors, governors in the general. state of Texas. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah. or Gosh, we've had New some terrible York. governors. Uh, well, we've you know, had you, some terrible you, governors around here, for you, sure. You hit on, uh, no, I'm talking about Alabama, period. Oh, yeah. You hit on one thing that uh, there's a Senate Bill 57, which is introduced by Cam Ward, uh, Alabaster, and it's open records um law for Alabama. They killed the dog out of that thing. They did, and I think, I think that Cam had good intentions, but I think that Before uh, it, arrived. Uh, it just came up to being uh, very duplicitous. Uh, Fairhope City Clerk Lisa Hanks, who used to be the uh, president of city clerks in Alabama, I think she said the law would create additional burdens and expenses, particularly for small towns and staff, and that it is going to be a huge unfunded mandate on all municipalities. And as I understand it, all city clerks within the state of Alabama were opposed to it. Well, so, probably because it's going to cut into their damn coffee break, Paul. That don't mean jack squat. <laughs> it was all dead right. on arrival, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It okay, was. So I want a couple more things that Cam's been blamed for lately, and just for clarification. So, uh, Gary, are you familiar with the coal ash pile at Barry Steam Plant? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> you corporate sellout. Uh, no, 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 no. I, 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 no, I, I, I think I'm it's, sure it, you know. I think it's, okay, is so it north of Mobile? It, it is okay. north of Mobile right. on the Mobile River. Okay. So, um, oh, boy. So Mobile Baywatch and some other uh, tree-hugging organizations have been using drones to go fly around these places. Now, of course, a coal ash pile is only there because it's next to a coal-fired power plant. Right. So Cam introduced a bill that would keep drones away from critical infrastructure, and somehow this got spun into they're trying to create a bill to make it where environmentalists can't use drones to keep an eye on Alabama Power Company, and I don't think that's very genuine of them. No, uh, you know, without I'm, I'm not making I'm not going to make a comment today about the coal ash plant, but I, I will say that you know, either somebody's hiding something, or 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 somebody just doesn't want to know their business. Period. You know, and I, I guess that's pretty much the same thing. Right. But I, I you know, if you if you're going to limit people for the use of drones, I've got some good friends that do some great work drone videos, 
and pictures. But I, you know, I think they should be able to to pretty much fly. Yeah, in the, just, all, uh, but but I do I do see and Rip, I think you agree with me a little bit here and and Harry. I don't want anybody flying over my house either, you know, but I don't know how y'all feel about it. I sort of jumped in there for a second, but I don't want three people flying drones over my house unless I got a roof damage or something like that. Uh, well, I understand. I can yeah. understand that. But, but now if, there's a, if it's a public company, then, then then that's a little bit different. But if it's a private company, you know, doing business, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to drone over, you know, over it. I, I, I go with that. I think that, uh, however, you know, a lot of these areas, like this coal ash place, uh, is um, the only way to get a really good picture of it is by a drone. And people might as well get used to drones. I think we're going to be real surprised at the impact of drones in and, the next and, few years. And we can argue also, Rip, uh, when we say public or private. Uh, I've, I've got, I've had some a few shares of Southern Company forever, and the, I guess they're the the parent company of Outbound right. Power. Who says that a a, a a shareholder can't fly a drone over there? So that's a big step. I mean, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of mess to, yeah, to deal with. And, it is. But of course, the government can fly its drones anywhere it wants to and surveil us. It's, of course, yeah. And, yeah. and actually, uh, I was reading an article the other day that uh, there's some guy that ran from the cops and you know ditched his car on the interstate and he's running through Barnwell or wherever the hell, middle of nowhere. <laughs> and so, guess what? They bust out. The it, no the damn predator the infrared drone wow you know like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie mm-hmm. Predator not like the UAV no I'll tell you the one that I that I thought was absolutely ingenious I don't know whether you saw this Gary it would have been in your wheelhouse for sure but on the um, what is it the uh, swamp uh, the swamp show alligators swamp people swamp people where they were uh, looking for the snakes. Oh yeah, and they use drones. They sure with did. With the, the, the and gators and with They're the looking, heat sensor. Yeah, that was incredible. I mean, that was really interesting to watch. I've got to say something, and I've been wanting to say it for at least more than the people around me could hear this. But we harvested in June about a or whatever the gator season was that we mm-hmm. had to go to class and everything. A four hundred fifty-four pound alligator and i had a cameraman and i had uh, a good buddy of mine that was going with me and we tried for hours to get that gator in the boat when they said they almost turned the boat over three yeah, or four times when they say that gator weighs 600 pounds you know a good whopping 600 pounds they didn't get that gator in the boat i don't care how strong they are <laughs> they towed that bastard and, to the and land I, I like old troy in fact i got two pictures of some of the with a, with a yeah. couple of groups of them but they they ain't got that gator in there they're not holding that gator no, over it the took boat. us three hours we tied it to the side of the boat it, <laughs> it took us three hours to go four miles have y'all had a, a show on that yet yeah we just had we hadn't edited and finished, put it together little, yeah little, so little, so got, just keep watching on sundays yeah and got, we'll, got, we'll eventually get it got lazy on it yeah all right. Good, um, good gator, though. If I had my picture, I, I, I would have brought it to you. All right. So I have uh, – there, there are now four bills in the Alabama legislature related to pistol permits. Oh, boy. Every person, every legislator in the state is on one of these four bills. Okay. So let's talk about them. Um, we, we beat this a little bit last time, uh, but there's a new wrinkle now. House Bills 39 and 47 are uh, both bills legislation that is supported by the National Rifle Association. What it does, what these two bills do, they're companion bills. One of them um, 
takes the authority to issue a concealed carry permit away from the sheriff and consolidates it in Montgomery with Aaliyah, Alabama Law Enforcement Agency. The second thing that it does, instead of them you having to get one every year, every two years, every three years, you know, you, you have your choice. I got one in five years now. So, right, and that's what mine is. But what they're saying is it would be unlimited. So once you got one, unless you unless it got revoked, you wouldn't have to fool with the pistol permit anymore. So that's thirty seven. That's thirty nine and forty seven. The you you wouldn't have to reapply even every every five years. No, sir. It would just be yours, and unless you did something illegal, you would just keep it. So those those are the two bills. Of course, the sheriff's association is against that because that that pistol permit money is discretionary well, money. Do you remember about ten years ago when they sent you a the sheriff's department sent you a notice every year and said, "Hey, your pistol permit is due." The thing I couldn't understand is why don't they keep sending out because it's nothing but revenue for them, and it didn't cost that much for them to send out notices. But you know, when your pistol permit is is expired or getting ready for renewal. You don't get the permits, I mean, the, the notices like you used to. All right, so th- this other bill. Tip for making more money, Sheriff. House Bill 308. Have you heard about House Bill 308? I don't know unless you tell me about it. Okay, so House Bill 308 is a bill that would, um, that that is the Sheriff's Association bill, okay? That's the one where all the stuff. They want to, that, okay, so when you made application for a pistol permit with the sheriff, why do you think you did that? Well, I would hope that they would do a background check on me and check on everything and, and know that I, I either sh- should get a gun or I shouldn't get a gun. Right. So, okay, so what what House Bill 308 does is that it requires all of the 67 sheriffs to send their pistol permit application information up to Montgomery so that they can create a database so that when a police officer pulls you over, they can run you through the ARROWS system, Alabama Responding Officer Warning System, wow. so they know so they can assess your threat level. Now, why in the hell would you have a threat level just because you have a concealed carry permit? And let me and I'm gonna tell you this. I may or may not have been armed on every one of these shows. And I'll guarantee you, law enforcement or not, you don't want to find out whether I have a gun or not. No, that's... that's and especially... Okay, so th- so you get pulled over by a police officer, right? I'm sitting there in my car. I got my hands on the wheel. I get my license out. I hand him my license. Why should I have to tell him whether I have a gun or not? It's none of his damn business. He's not in any danger. I'm certainly not going to use it against a police officer. So why would they need an officer warning system uh and and of course they were standing up there on the capitol steps behind uh six fallen police officers who'd be killed in the line of duty how many of those guys were killed by a concealed carry permit owner probably none zero yeah so it's a bunch of bull uh, it's you another know, you know, it's another bait and switch something i do you know I've, I've been pulled over before uh i think we all have but the first thing i do honestly is when the police officer walks up hand in both I say, well, but if sometimes I don't hand him, hand him a pistol permit, he can ask for it if he wants it. But I always tell him, you know, I have a gun in, in the vehicle. I do that at Pensacola Airport until they got to know me, and then I just drive right on through. I don't think they even check anymore. Right. Uh, I, I put they, my hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> well, I, that's I, that's while I'm talking to him. Both my hands are, are 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Right. Well, yeah. So, okay. But I'm not crazy about everybody knowing or being able to check on it because – just like anything else, you got 
you got good doctors and bad doctors. You got good policemen. And good. What is some? Hey, lunatic, you ever have lunatic. you ever dated a cop a, a cop's ex wife? No, I, I well I, trust me. Oh, if you want to know how, you know how what, what how, your record is, how equipment can and, and data can be abused, just date a cop's ex-wife. Well, well, I'm know, happily that, married. And I'm gonna stay that way. Well, that, <laughs> uh, that's where that's where I want to kind of weigh in on it. That uh, all right? You know, you, in, but, in you, the South, but you can't yet. I let can me, see what you're me, talking let about. Let me though. say this. So there's a whole nother bill, guys. That's crazy. Senate Bill Number One. Guess what it does. Does away with the need for a pistol permit altogether. If you want to conceal that damn gun anywhere you well, want to. Well, that one passes. Why have the other fat? Exactly. Bill? So well, let's cut these sheriff. Uh, of course, Senate Bill 1, because, okay, we have a constitutional amendment in the state of Alabama that says you cannot pass a law that will cause local governments to, number one, lose revenue, or number two, spend more revenue. So... For Senate Bill 1 to pass, it has to do so by both houses by two-thirds majority. Right. Ain't going to happen. Well, well he, the, the, thing that, the thing that I want to weigh in on that, that surprises me the most, uh, particularly in this area, is that this Arrows program, you don't know who's going to be looking at your data. I mean, that's a J- lot of information that's, that's what I was getting at. J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, I agree with you. We, yeah. I mean, the, the, the number one cop in the world, according to history— uh, abuse the hell out of the system. Why, why would we think these pecker woods around here wouldn't do the same thing? Well, well, not, not, not only that, but it's available to tap into. Right. I mean, you know. Hoover didn't look at him unless he had a dress on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's my suspicion. That's my story. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. have a dress on. Uh, All right. Let me um, say one thing yes, so, so, right, to sure. clarify everything. You know, I b- still believe that everybody should have a permit and they're going to carry a gun. I'm sorry. That's I don't. I, well, I do. Just because, not for the record and everything, but I think everybody ought to have a little check on them before they, you know. I'm sorry, we 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 agree to disagree. But That's I, fine. But I think it I think it knocks out a little bit, doesn't it? Well, I I listen. I'll go a step further. Being a weapons instructor in the Marine Corps, I don't think you should have. A, I don't believe you should be able to have a weapon unless you pass some sort of course that you know how. What the hell to now, do with a gun? I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean that you can but walk I mean, in and not, buy a weapon. I, and, wait a minute. I'm not going to agree with it, but I think it'd be a good idea if you had somebody show you absolutely. how. Instead of okay, I bought a gun. Now I'm going to permit, and but I don't know how to shoot it. Right. Well, but how about Gary, this? I, Gary, I'm not saying it's required. I'm just saying you should let's let's go back. Let me step back. Common a sense. Bit. Sorry. Common let me, sense. Let me step back. Get somebody or go to your local pistol range, range right. or, or gun range, and let somebody show you how. Because you know that's you know that's why some people get shot with an unloaded gun. More right. people get shot with an unloaded gun than a loaded gun. Right. I know if that's. You, if you, if I you know, know that's I mean. right. I didn't know it was loaded. Right. All right. That's my. No, I mean, I got a couple more things I want to ask you about. Um, in particular, uh, the mobile mobile bay in particular fishing. Ooh, yeah. Um, maybe let's talk about the past a little bit too. Don't want to get too much into offshore, but um, my almanac tells me that it is sheephead season. Is oh yeah, that right. They're they're biting very well. We got too much water in the bay right now, but. That's, what about the what is that affecting the oyster harvest? We were having a bumper oyster oh yeah. crop it's closed and now right, it's just it's closed right filthy now. Filthy water. Yeah, it's 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 it'd be dangerous to eat any oysters right now. Um when are the cobia or lean gonna start migrating? It's awful warm out 
Well, I can tell you this much right now. I'm glad you brought that up because I've been pushing to close Cobia for a year or two because their schools are they're, down. They're ter- oh, it's, it's awful. Um, and it's not like anybody really makes a living Cobia fishing. I mean, they, they might have a few, you know, hardcore guys that yeah, pay them to take them. You're talking probably, you know, 10 trips a year booking them, you know, but, uh, and I don't mind, you know, I don't, I think you ought to, you know, I make two per boat instead of, you know, one or two per person. So that, when that's it, one fine eating fish. It is great. I mean, I, the Kobe, I always tell people that fish is no good to eat. So right. I'm going to, I'll take it home. I'll and, take it home. And, and fertilize the garden. Like, you remember when everybody used to throw Amber, amberjack, amberjack away? and trigger fish. Oh, it away. Trigger yeah, fish? yeah. Trigger amberjack. Uh, that's like me telling people don't, that scamp is terrible. Uh, right. Yeah. That slimy looking black fish. You don't want to yeah. eat that. Anything night. with fins that look like that. You don't want to eat it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so tell me, um, it's, once this water gets out of here, when do you think the shrimp are going to start uh, reproducing and we're going to have the bite up on uh, uh, at the battery or whatever around cloverleaf? Uh, when's it going to be time to spec fish? As soon as the water gets down and, and the t- water temperature probably needs to get about two or three degrees warmer, and then we'll, we'll be good to go. So keep your eyes on the water temperature and keep your eyes uh, on the water level. All right, so... And we want you to chime in on all this. Feel free. But uh, Rip's got to go through his RIP report. So uh, all right. go for it, Paul. Well, this is just on the um, Lanyap update, some of the articles in Lanyap that uh, should be mentioned this, this week. Uh, Damn the Torpedoes by Rob Holbert. Print isn't dead after all. And uh, he's, he's ringing the praises of uh, Baldwin's, uh, Baldwin County's edition. Uh, with uh, Bureau Chief Gabe Times and reporter John Mullen and what they've been pulling off over here with uh, Lanyap's expansion into Baldwin County. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, They've gotten quasi-threatening letters from lawyers and even certain court judge Clark Stankowski allowed his buddy James Pittman to subpoena Lanyap for protected conversations and between who else? reporters and sources and us, Mr. My, yours truly, and uh, took us all to um, court anyway. Didn't get anywhere. Um, he's also uh, Lanyap's also you know still trying to get body cam footage on one of Sheriff Haas Mack's uh, shootings uh, where the guy was killed with the fanny pack. Uh, but I would. You know, and and they have they have broken many stories over here. This is the first time that uh, pe- they've covered everything from the coal ash to uh, uh, Metro Jail. Uh, there's a look in the high speed chases over here with uh, again Hoss Mack investigations into the fraud right. trial. So this guy runs off the road up in the woods, and there's all the and by the time. They actually shoot the guy. There are four or five cars pulled over. Not only is there body cam and dash cam footage, there's all this cell phone video. And it uh, turns out the guy had a fanny pack in his hand. And, still- and it wasn't like he was shot with a sidearm. They shot him with a damn long gun. Shot yeah. him with a rifle. And they wow. have they have the video, and they won't give up the video. And that's so still, okay, okay. I don't, so I don't know much about the crime that goes on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, so so let's so let me tell you uh, who's got stroke and who doesn't have stroke. Okay. Okay. Um, you can educate me. In, in in this particular case, the land app asked for the body cam footage, right? And they sent it to the sheriff. So the sheriff has created this fictitious organization called the Major Crimes Unit. And he didn't want to give up the body cam footage, so or wouldn't, so they 
filed a, a claim in circuit court saying that he's violating the open records law. And guess what one of our judges does? They say, you must serve the MCU. Sh- serving the sheriff isn't good enough. You must serve this fictitious organization that he's created. Now, come on, man. I'm you got to be kidding yourself. me. Who created what? The well, sheriff created the major crimes unit, um, put a bunch of his buddies on the board of it. Um, and his employees themselves. are on the board of it. Everybody who works for the MCU are member or people who work for the board members or the sheriff's department. And they investigate themselves in shootings and, you know, any kind of mayhem where typically you'd call the ABI or Aaliyah to send an investigator down. Oh, hell no. We just investigate ourselves. Also, Lanyap broke the mm-hmm. uh, story series on Strawman that in. Uh, straw man, of course, is our, So y'all uh, see this bridge behind us? That's what me and Rip were going to start doing our podcast on. And the damn day before the podcast, <laughs> the governor comes out and says, the bridge is dead. And I'm like, shit, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> well, the lady has got this straw man article. Turns out it's the biggest story in a decade. Which outlines outright blatant corruption, and I have yet to see anybody, including the sheriff, say anything, and it's being printed every day. But anyway... Getting back to Lanyap. Uh, or a grand jury convened. Right. Lanyap. You know, all, there, there's this big trial going on 40 feet from Wilter's office, like diagonally across the hall. He knows nothing about the case. And no one does, says anything. Like but, I said, I'm, I'm glad I'm here for education. Yeah, right. Well, I do want to I do want to plug thinking. again for uh, Lanyap started a paywall on their website almost a year ago. And uh, they routinely hear complaints, but people should understand that uh, subscribing to Lanyap essentially costs you 21 cents a day. There's hardly you can get any news or anything. It's a very, very diverse magazine. Again, I'll tell you, no one's paying us to say that. We're just trying to get the news out, and they're covering very controversial issues that we cover. So, and let me um, say this: I like them. I like grab, them. Grab I'll say that free Lanyap. So they um the. Part of the information that I related a few minutes ago was from an article Gabe Tynes wrote about House Bill 3749 and 308. Right. I don't think he included Senate Bill 1 because that damn thing didn't have a chance of passing. But right. Hope, another, hope uh, springs eternal. Who knows? Well, another article, Pandemic Planning Leaders Prepare for COVID-19 COVID-19 as cases appear closer to Alabama. That's by... Jason Johnson, that's coronavirus, and I heard a very interesting thing about that. They're calling it COVID-19 now because, as I understand it, there was a tremendous amount of pressure put on them by Corona, uh, beer. corona beer. I told you I need a bottle, their, bottle of Corona sitting here on the on they, the counter. So they they but, lost they, they lost their ass about in the last hundred and fifty million bucks they've lost so far. That's a lot of money. That's, that's a whole last, lot of money. That's, that's a lot of Coronas. That's right. That's the last so, figure I, I saw. Hey, what the hell did it do to the to the lime sales in Alabama? After <laughs> you know what, that probably hurt it pretty good too. Probably yeah. did. Why the hell would anybody buy a lime? That's if like you weren't drinking like corona. shock top uh, orange 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 would be plentiful. Plays with your head, you know. You're going to order a Corona beer, and you're thinking coronavirus. You might want to take that Budweiser instead. You know, <laughs> I think that's what happens. It is cold. I'm sure one uh, of us drinks another Lanyap article by uh, Gabe Times, and I can't say enough about it. Is Swan Song 
winter visitors returning north after contributing to the snowbird season. I remember when I very first got here in the early 90s that the uh, – a lot of people didn't like the snowbirds, you know. They said, oh, just a few of them come. And, That's know, why we, they don't put the damn salt shakers on the table because those old bastards are still every one of them. <laughs> they don't know where That's why Walmart changed their return policy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they contribute a tremendous amount to the Gulf Coast, uh, Pensacola, uh, Orange Beach, that whole area. Now we have a season and a lot of clubs that come uh, the Dakota's Alabama Club was uh, featured, and it just ju- goes to show you how many people come down here. You know, I I used to live in um, I used to live in Belize, and we had some people from um, Upper Minnesota that used to come every year, and they told us that they could come to Belize, they could stay this as long as two three months, go back, and it was cheaper than keeping their house warm the whole time they were up there. So Gary, I, I there, is there a Walmart in Belize? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is. I think it hit too. So what do you? So what do you think? Uh, so so yesterday was Rip's birthday. I'm not going to say how many years he 74, survived. Seventy four, man. Seventy four. It's an absolute bloody miracle. People wow. have been trying to kill me since I was seventeen. <laughs> so, I, I, that's the first big thing I can Vietnam, agree on or understand. Uh, did so so Paul tell us. Uh, when you were down in Belize, you were telling me about this dive trip y'all took. You had to take a seaplane out to this blue hole. Right, right, right. And this then you was, were doing like something stupid, like diving down to 180 feet, free no, diving. No, this was in the, in the early 80s, and everybody wanted to go to the Blue Hole. Well, to go by boat then was uh, four or five hours, and you didn't know about the weather. So um, I had a couple guys that came to me, and they said they wanted me to dive them in the Blue Hole, and is it, was there any faster way? So... There was a guy with a seaplane sea there, uh, McCorkle, and uh, he said that, well, okay, we'll take three people. You can take two divers plus yourself. We'll take the equipment. We'll float, fly low and uh, land in the blue hole. We landed in the blue hole, and then we would uh, jump land in a blue hole, we would taxi up to actually the original location where Custo dove in the early 70s or 80s, I think it was. And from there, we would make a dive, one of the deeper dives that I made, guided dives, to like 140, 150 feet, come back up <clears throat> along the wall, get in, back in the plane, and fly back. Now, there was no Coast Guard. <laughs> there was no security. There was no way. I mean, if you had any trouble at all, you were done. Hey, did you have to pull your own teeth and shit like on Castaway when you were living there? I mean, what did you do when you needed a dentist? Or you got a freaking splinter as long as his pen? I'm sure he sewed himself up. Oh, I'm, I listen, we were, you know, before, before I ever heard the term off the grid, uh, we were living off the grid. It took us uh, about 60% of the day to maintain uh, the resort, our food, our fuel, our gas, and everything else. But I think that probably was one of the more dangerous things that I ever did without thinking about it a bit. Bullshit. Let me tell you what the most dangerous thing he did was. He called the rip report? No, no, no. Well, besides the rip report, (laughs) no. So he's living in Belize, and that lunatic son of a bitch, John McAfee, moves down there oh, yeah. and, and makes a canoe out of this guy's, his next-door neighbor's head. And what does Rip do? He starts writing letters to the New York Times and gets Showtime to come down and do this big doc. Have you ever seen that documentary? No. It's called uh, 
Gringo, the, da- Gringo. the Dangerous Life of John McAfee. Really? And he's down there riding around like the president in uh, these black SUV. Uh, living, living it up? Yeah. So everywhere he goes, there, there's a convoy, and he's got guys with AKs hanging off the side like they're – and these guys with AKs look like, like – the. The last people you'd ever give an AK to, like on the west end of uh, uh, Cos- no, Cozumel. The one guy looked like a damn Somali pirate. The yeah. guy who's supposedly the trigger man. Right. Like I said, that, the west end that, of Cozumel. That right. canoed, yeah, that canoed this guy's head with a shotgun. Well, living really? in oh, living yeah. in because, Belize because in those he, days he was, was McAfee's next door neighbor. Yeah, and his and he had all these Rottweilers. He turned loose and they'd run down there and take a crap on this guy's beach. Well. He talked to him several times. Well, next thing you know, somebody throws a Nerf ball over the fence, or his dogs were all dead. Oh boy! The next night, some he's the the crime scene, as I understand it, is the guy sitting there watching TV, and that's the last thing he sees is his brains all over the TV, twenty feet. Of, I mean, somebody shot him the top of his head off with a shotgun. And basically, McAfee's been on one way or another running ever since. Right, but and he, he faked a heart attack to get from... Co- he he got somebody to smuggle him into Costa Rica, and then he said, I'm having a heart attack, I need to get to the States. And when they get him to the States off the plane, he pulls the mask off and goes, holy shit, I can't believe I made it out of that shit alive. <laughs> I, I think one of the, that's one of the things I've always wanted to do was to maybe write a little short story, short book about living in Belize and all of the crazy, insane things that happened. This was back in the um, uh, 80s, early 80s. Uh, my first trip there was in 1971, and I thought I was in a Robinson Crusoe movie. I mean, it was absolutely, awesomely gorgeous. And now but, it's overpopulated and... Uh, yeah, right? Yep, yep. Rip, yeah. I, I understand you're a pretty good spear fisherman, too. I've shot more fish than I have caught on a rod and reel. I, I heard that. that. You probably shot more fish than I caught on a rod and reel. <laughs> no, I no, maybe no, not. I, I, no, I, I, I doubt that. I, I doubt might take that, that one back I myself. But no, I. But got you've done a pretty the, good job at it. Oh, yeah. I shot fish for, well, now when I lived in Belize, again, you know, uh, there's one thing, sport fishing. But then I understood how, how what a responsibility it was because we were harvesting our own fish. So uh, I started shooting fish with the locals and then really, really perfected it uh, down to where on an average dive we'd pick up four to five fish anywhere from 15 to 30 pounds, which were the best to eat. Goody. Well, it's, it's been my experience. You can't find like your average next-door neighbor ain't going to let you go practice in their liner pool. And those, those spears are expensive, well, um, not I don't a, want to get out there in the bay and practice shooting at the pylons and bend my spear, my spear tips. Well, I was, I, mean? a, yeah. I was in the diving yeah. industry for a long time, and Gary can tell you this probably about hunting and fishing. Well, it, it's, it's just like dove hunting, Paul. There's no, there's no way to teach somebody how to shoot a dove. You just got to do it, and it's the same thing with spear fishing. In right. my experience, and, right. and and I might sell, we might sell uh, twenty, thirty spear guns, and only have one or two that really knew how to shoot fish, you know. Right. And that you see that in all those sports and everything. But I had an A B Biller spear gun that was the length of this table and it had a big old cable on it like that. <laughs> and I got on the boat and the guy said, What in the hell do you think you're gonna get with that? <laughs> I said, I don't know, but I'm gonna get it. You're gonna try. <laughs> 
Uh, All right, Paul. So I want to talk about a case, and I think you're really going to like this one. Did you know that the mayor of Spanish Fort allegedly slapped the magistrate back in November? Oh, I'm sorry, October. How how does anybody not know that? Right. But I don't know what happened to that case. Uh, well, let me enlighten me on it. This is this is a, a new article too out of uh, Lanyard. Right. So this is a Gabe Times article called Wordplay. And um, so what's what's happened is all of the judges recuse themselves. So who did they go get? Judge Reed. Go figure. So Judge Reed is there. David Connor, who is the attorney for, for the city council, for he is attorney of record for the city. So he's claiming that he went around and interviewed people. Um, the victim may have told the victim some of what the mayor had said about the incident really muddied the waters. And so then he shows up at this hearing with judge Reed and says, judge, uh, they want to call me as a witness. Now he, he allegedly was there when the slap happened. Wow. So how can he now say he's a, he's a, he is a fact witness. Nobody's asking him to tell anything that might be privileged other than what you saw. Now, um, I could go into all, I have a lot of it highlighted here and I could read it to you, but that's the crux of it is they're, they're dueling banjos on, you know, hey, uh, I have a privilege over here. And then Patrick Doggett, the ADA on the other side who responded to the motion, he goes, he can't represent everybody. Wow. Well, what and, I and, and what he say, Connor's trying to say, I represent everybody that works for the city, and they and they have that privilege. Well, not when they're at odds. No, the magistrate he represents the magistrate, and he represents the mayor. Well, oh. bull crap. Well, the other thing, it's a too terrible is, argument. Uh, terrible argument. It is, and the other thing that uh, that's close to the uh, uh, Denardi case, the McSherry case, where uh, wow, uh, where it's both both these cases are on film. I mean, both of them are on film, and they're, you know, the, the uh, Max Sherry case. Now, right. We're going into so, 18 months on right. simple assault. So, so, so um, and, and I don't know that Paul knows this, and I'd love to hear your reaction. Being an attorney and understanding the law, I went over there and filled out an open records request. And I said, I want the damn video. That camera right there is a public camera. Yeah. The cord running to the computer that it was recorded on. The computer's a public computer. And unless there's some kind of gag order on this thing, it's a public record. But you didn't get it. Oh, hell no. David kind of wrote me this long. I'm sure he charged him $40,000 for the damn letter he wrote me. It's two pages long. Um, anyway. You didn't get it. Hell no, I didn't get it. What are you talking about, man? Are, right. Were you surprised? Really? I no, was just tell me on a scale of one to ten, what, what was your surprise level? Zero. Okay. <laughs> Zero surprise. Next yeah. next topic. <laughs> uh, right. Paul, about done. I I'm pretty much done. Um, I I did want to say that uh, I I grew up watching your show. And you don't know I, how I don't many times I, I hear that. I've never. Yeah, but I don't want you. I want your damn head to fit out the door. Well, when you leave. I had to squeeze in here. So um, <laughs> just so you know, I'm a uh, and, and understand. 
I, I want to have political debate with people I disagree with. Sure. I disagree with Paul Rip on almost everything. Yeah. I dis I disagree with Range Russian, one of my best friends for thirty five years, about almost everything. But um, I I appreciate someone who has an opinion and they're willing to voice it. And Paul, also, if you will turn around and pull that map off the wall behind you, I have Paul Rip's birthday present. Under, oh, okay. yeah, just 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 reach it, just snatch oh, it. Oh boy, here we go. God knows. Yeah, just pull it be. off. Just keep pumping, keep pulling. Oh, oh. now, nah. oh, grab a seat so everybody can see it. <laughs> my daughter is on the dean's list at Auburn. Thank you very much. Good, good. Or Eagle, all my Alabama buddies that I watched the game with. Sorry about this, but I love y'all too. No man, move back over. That go was ahead. just a or uh, something. One thing I do want to say though, uh, Gary's been real gracious to come on the show, and like we're saying, we all disagree with each other on. And he had to things. know that we were going to bust his balls in some way. Well, sure, and and Rip, thank you, and and Harry, thank you, and, and I. And there's a couple of things I want to say. Of course, you know, these are my opinions, and some, and everybody's entitled to one, just like Certainly. everybody has one. And at the same time, I do want to encourage people. We're, we're starting a new series about different public places where people can launch and stuff like that. If you see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up. That's what we were taught when we were kids. If there's a trash can there especially, if there's not a trash can, let somebody know. But let's not. But long story short, don't throw it. Any trash on the ground. Right. And let's not... Uh, Especially, and don't strip your reels offshore and throw monofilament overboard. Uh, it, it, you guys dive, and you've been that like a... a what, what is it Wallace Bridge Rubble that everybody calls Atlantis? Yeah. Man, you go down there and try to dive, there's more monofilament. Are you, I swim around cutting hooks off and cutting monofilament off and shoving them in my BC because it's such a damn eyesore. Yeah, well, at least try to break it, you yeah. know. And not then, you know, but I mean, really, I mean, let's, let's, let's worry about, you know, I'm not going to be green man here. And although I believe that we all need to, you know, cut back a little bit on some things, but let's not pollute where, where we all like to enjoy. Cause you know, there are a lot of people don't know that some of us like to enjoy going out hunting and fishing and, and, and picnicking and kayaking and all that. And don't want to see all this trash. And keep, keep, it, be responsible for your own and, self. You know, and, people, and you, uh, people just don't understand that, uh, most of tourism is God-given. It's uh, our surroundings and everything. And That's it, a, amen. It, it, it always amazes me how, you know, people become blinded by the income from tourism, and they don't understand what an important factor it is. So when we pollute our bay, we're, we're having an influence on our tourist business and we're, why we're trying to bring people here. So, you know, be a lot more conscious uh, uh, of the people that are visiting here and spending money. We well, and, and the one thing I'll say, and I, I'd like Gary to comment on it, it's my belief that uh, the people mo most concerned with habitat and fish stock and that kind of thing are outdoorsmen like you and I right. who go out there and harvest this stuff, and we want to take care of it. Well, the big thing is there are several species that are very important to us and that we get, and not, not only just important to us, that we get to see every day. Uh, some of them are maybe could be a national bird of ours. But if it wasn't for the hunter, the fishing fishing licenses and the permits and and the hunting license and permit, some of these uh, species would be extinct. So All just right. just remember that. I, I want to talk to you about that's a how that's how important the money is. I want to talk to you about a couple of of, of things, uh, success stories in my lifetime. 
Okay. Um, certainly in Paul Ripp's lifetime, the Sand Hill Crane has made a complete recovery and is no longer endangered. Now, for people that don't know how important this bird is, it is referred to as the ribeye of the sky. Have you ever eaten one? No, because uh, it was illegal till a few months ago. I know. So we're gonna go kill some. I, you know, I, I just don't. I'm not a Sand Hill Crane hunter, so. Uh, you know. Well, hell, nobody is. Well, hell, I may be the the expert that everybody hires to take them Sand Hill Crane. I'll be the Sand Hill Crane guide. Let me know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is, uh, and it started with GCCA that later became. CCA, right? Um, and that is the red snapper recovery. I mean, red fish. red drum, red, red fish. fish recovery. Right. Um, and man, I love a red fish, and they have a hell of a lot of fun to catch. They are great, and I think uh, you know, there's there's different views for or different strokes for different folks. I guess that way you do it, but you know, I think really, uh, not to take anything away from anybody, but I think it was really the people like you and me who cared a lot about our, the conservation efforts themselves who helped get that to come back. I think you're right. All right, boys and girls, Mr. Finch, we yes, certainly sir. appreciate you being here with us today. Thank and, y'all. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, what number is this, Paul? Uh, this is number 25, and if there's anything on this show that you found offensive, please blame it on me. Or me. <laughs> not me. Not, not Gary. Not Gary. Not he was y'all, a guest. Y'all wanted to R me. He was a guest. <laughs> so uh, we will. We hope you have a good weekend. It's beautiful outside, man. We've been through so much hellacious rain and cold weather and stuff. And I know, and I got it, stuck in here. Yeah, and we're stuck in here. <laughs> and uh, Paul says it's bikini weather. Right. Well, the wind's about. blowing a bit too much for that, right. but uh, let, yep. it, let it calm down, Rip. Everybody have a good weekend and be safe. Thank y'all.